Hello and welcome to another episode of Please Ask Mickey, a podcast where we discuss the real shit when it comes to being a woman and we do it in a pretty unladylike way. And also when I say we, I mean me because it's literally just me on this podcast. So this entire season has been all about women who inspire me because as I've mentioned before, I'm obsessed with women. I don't want to fuck them, but I love them and I think that we are so incredible and amazing. So today's guest really just fits that mould so incredibly. She is a nurse turned um, author, self-published author. Uh, She writes cookbooks uh, but with penises all through them and she's so rude and so wonderful and her penis glossary is absolutely insane and will outdo any other person's penis glossary on this planet. Shannon Kelly Wydell, as you may know her, Shannon's Kitchen Australia, we have an absolutely hilarious chat and it just goes to show if you really commit to something, you can be best friends with someone that you're obsessed with Um, because I just stalked the shit out of her and really forced a friendship uh, there. And you know what? It's really turned out for me. So dream big and just never give up, guys. Enjoy the episode. On today's show, we have the amazing Shannon Kelly White. <laughs> um, the stars have aligned, not really in the best circumstances, but Shannon is here in the studio with me today. I said, get me a studio. Doesn't matter whose dick I have to suck. I'll do it. So... <laughs> How many did how many did you suck? Did you suck any? None. Oh, I'm not sucking. Right. <laughs> see what's see what's going on here. <laughs> they say you know there's no sleeping your way to the top in radio apparently. Well, that's rude. You probably wouldn't want to anyway, I guess, because what's the saying? Face for radio. Probably not the <laughs> yeah. probably not the place to be looking for willies to nibble. Someone did say that to me one time. They're like, you actually have a great face for radio. And I was like, that's not a fucking compliment. <laughs> Just in case you're confused. <laughs> Thank you're, actually you. offending. you're actually insulting me to my face right now. <laughs> but they said it as though it was. I was Aww. like... They thought they were being sweet and they yeah, were being highly offensive. I was like, thank you very much. Um, but thank you so much for coming on. This oh, is so exciting. We've been... I've been stalking you for like three years now online. Yes, we've been in an online relationship for a while, haven't we? (laughs) We've taken it next level. (laughs) I know, actually in person now. Um, I mean, it began when I just was basically clawing for your attention and wrote a book review. And it fucking worked. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, never give up on your dreams. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, who is this goddess? She likes me. I like her instantly. Um, and that's the last and first book review I've ever done, but I back it. <laughs> well, it was a winner. I mean, well done. They say, you know, it's not sleeping your way to the top, but book reviewing your way <laughs> to the top, into the people's pants that you need to get into. If you're into nerds, it could work out. Yeah, absolutely. So mm-hmm. you've recently just written another book. Um, so they are, I mean, two of them are cookbooks. And that's what got me hooked. I've actually got them here in the studio with us. You can't see because it's a podcast. Yes, it's very unfortunate. Um, And, I mean, I guess the thing that separates you from a regular uh, just human being, really, (laughs) (laughs) is you're cheeky as as fuck, really. Um, I can be a bit of a silly sausage. A bit of a silly sausage is definitely a way to put it. And it's so hilarious. I remember reading... When I, I can't remember how I came across you on Instagram, but I mean, 
must have been Lord Jesus himself who just presented you to me and was like, you need this woman in your life. I am a blessing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you're just so fucking funny. So funny. I'm just a fucking turkey. I'm really, I'm not that funny. I'm just a fucking knob and I'm willing to make a fool of myself. No, just (laughs) accept it. Be like, I'm hilarious. I'm a comedian. Chef, well, not chef, but like cook comedian. Yeah, I'm definitely not a chef. (laughs) Not even fucking close. I'm like, I went to um, this award thing in Paris for my cookbook (laughs) and um, I'm just slip that in. Yeah, huge flex. (laughs) Um, And everyone else there was a proper chef and here I am. (laughs) Fucking home cook, ex-nurse with a book with a picture of a fucking strap on in it. I felt like the biggest loser on planet Earth. But everyone was so nice. (laughs) I get away with it. So I'm just keeping on doing it. (laughs) Yeah, fuck it. Has anyone been like, how are you writing cookbooks? You know, like... Yeah, of course they are. Like, course they're like, I'm like, I don't fucking know, but I'm doing it. Yeah, mate, yeah, I'm still getting away with it. People are buying them. <laughs> well, I think that um, these sort of books that people really like because I'm a home cook and everyone else is a home cook. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you don't want a book that some fancy pants chef wrote because you don't even know what the fucking ingredients are, let alone yep. how to use them. Yes. So I think the basic cookbooks do quite well because that's what we all want. We just want it to be simple. It's yeah. shit we can throw together. Fuck yeah. Well, I religiously use I can books. see it, your, the cookbook <laughs> looks fucking d- disgusting. It's, it's like it's really been used. It's been really like splattered in fat and all sorts of awful disgusting I'm not sure things. that looks like fat. That looks like something <laughs> else, girlfriend. Jeez, whatever. Whatever's <laughs> happening in the kitchen at the time. <laughs> but yeah, they are. They're simple and they're ingredients that, that you know how you get like the um, the recipes that have... 4,000 fucking ingredients in them. As soon as I see that, I'm like, fuck off. Too overwhelmed. Yep. yep Can't do with that. I need like 10, 10 ingredients, like five instructions five yep. max. Keep it simple. Sally. Shannon, <laughs> even. <laughs> no, what is it? Keep it simple. Stupid was the. Oh, yeah. I'll answer to stupid. I've been called words. <laughs> so what made you, because you said, you, well, you're a nurse. Mm. Um, are you still practicing as a nurse? No, not since I had my babies. Yes. So I started the blog pretty much, um, cause I was coming up with all these healthy recipes and then I'd like write them on the back of an envelope or something and then I'd lose it and yes. then I'd be like, Oh fuck, how did I make that delicious lamb and mango curry thing again? And Yum. you know, so I'd forget. And yeah. so then I was like, Oh, I might just start a blog and I'll keep them on there and I can share them with my friends and family or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I've always loved writing. Like if it was a kid, I was a bit of a nerd. I used to love you know, writing shit. So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll just do a little funny story with each recipe. And before I knew it, it kind of escaped my little circle of family and friends and then became a thing all of its own. But I've initially started cooking healthy food and coming up with my own recipes because I found that a lot of the blogs that I was following online were just really fucking preachy and over the top. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't relate to the people that were, that were presenting them because they were too fucking perfect. Yes, um, and I yeah. felt like, um, I just wanted to make something that was a bit more inclusive and something for knobs, I guess. So <laughs> that's Which just, is why I love them, really. <laughs> <laughs> we connect on a knobby level. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love that. So so you began when you had your – so you've got two kids. Yeah, so my oldest was about one and I was kind of a bit like um, – I just wanted something for myself. I wanted yes. to do something – outside of, of being mummy mm-hmm. and the blog was it. That was like my little outlet. I didn't really spend a great deal of time on it because I had fuck all time, <laughs> but, um, that was my little, my little hobby and my place to just be Shannon, like yes. not mum, not wife, nothing else, just Shannon. So, and it, 
It was such a joy and it's still such a fucking joy. So fun. Like, isn't it? When did you get to the stage where you decided to express yourself so honestly as yourself, I guess, you know, because um, I know for me, like it kind of is, was almost like a journey of like you'd give yourself a little bit more as far as like two, two people or two social media or whatever it is. And it's almost like you're testing the waters. I guess after you become a mum, all of a sudden you don't give as much as a fuck of a fuck as you used to. Yeah. I don't really care what anyone thinks of me anymore. I don't, I can't tell you when or how it happened because I definitely was not like that when I was young. I would worry what people thought about me constantly, what I look like, what, whether I was stupid, like, Mm. you know, whether anything, but now I'm just like, I just don't fucking have time. I don't, and I don't care. The only people that, whose opinion that really matters to me are the, the people that I love. So as long as I'm keeping them happy, everyone else can think I'm a wank bag. It doesn't matter. So, um, and I just have you to put it, I just put it out there because, you know, yeah, I embarrass myself a lot and I make a fool of myself, but I feel like if we're all more honest and all more who we are, it gives other people the freedom to be freaky as well. Yes. Um, so I, yeah, I'm happy to let my freak flag fly. And it's freeing, isn't it? Because there's nothing that's not, there's nothing anyone can say about you that you haven't already said about yourself. Oh yeah. And like people, people will you know, send me, you know, mean messages occasionally. Like really? This guy sent me a message and, you know, I've got to pay him one thing. He was very succinct. He just said, <laughs> slut. And I was like, I just wrote back, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> like he's just pointing it out. He's just, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> oh my God. It blows my mind how people can think that they can just go out of their way to tell someone how they feel about them. Oh, I, I honestly feel like sad for those people because I'm like, I don't even have time to tell the people who are in my life to fuck off. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. That, that are, you know, annoying or mean or whatever. How do they go out of their way and tell a complete stranger they don't like them? It's like, man, you got some time on your hands and I just feel bad for them. So yeah, I I, it doesn't hurt me at all anymore. Who are some of the people who have inspired you in your life? Oh, fuck. I don't know. Probably my brother. Uh, oh. Yeah, probably my brother because he's like a, he's a different cat as well. And yeah. um, he just marches the beat of his own drum and he's probably my personal hero. It's <laughs> like lame as that sounds. That's so but I just sweet. love him because he is who he is and um, he's a very honest and genuine dude. And he's very funny. Yeah, I was going to say, are your parents quite and your family quite funny or are they kind of like... Oh, shit, it's so ludicrous. Like, oh, no, my mum, like my mum's in the, she's yeah, in the cookbook. That. Yeah. No, mum just, mum just goes a lot. She's, she's the sweetest person in the whole wide world. Like she's quite a wholesome person, you know, worked in the community and all that sort of thing. <laughs> Would give, give the shirt off her back. So I'm probably a source of tremendous embarrassment. But if I am, she is not letting me know. She oh. just laughs along with me and she always tells me, she's like, I'm so proud of you. Oh. Like you are who you are. And yeah. So I'm pretty lucky because. A lot of families would be very ashamed of their kid posing with, you know, whatnot, (laughs) rude, rude and crude things. (laughs) We're spending like, what did you just spend? Like 48 hours going through books during Willie's. Willie's. Oh, where's Willie? It's such a fun. Yeah, I play. I just play Where's Willie for my (laughs) very professional and grown up. And your well, you said you've got a really good relationship with your mother-in-law too, because I think that's the crazy. I always think that with my in-laws, like I feel like I got the jackpot because I would not be probably a first choice 
<laughs> daughter-in-law? Yeah. Like, you're like, a prize-winning daughter-in-law? My father-in-law listens to my podcast and I'm like, no, like, please <laughs> stop stop supporting me. You like, might want to tune out now, Sunny Jim. Things are about to go south. Yeah, I know. Jeffy, now's the time. <laughs> and because that's it, like... Do I mean, yeah, as you said, you've got a good... I love my mother-in-law. She was on like the top of the pros list of marrying Mr. Shannon. She is <laughs> the nicest lady. She has a wonderful sense of humour and she is the best. I'm so fucking lucky because if I had a dragon of a mother-in-law, they would have a field day with me. Yes. Imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the terrifying thing, isn't it? But I, I'm very lucky. So when did you meet Mr. Shannon? She, we've been together for about like 11 years or so. And I, so I did the pop quiz in your book, oh, in yes. your new book. So if you're looking for a pop quiz in the latest book, um, and I, you've been married before. Yes, I have. Yep. So I'm on to marriage number two, taking applications for marriage number three. <laughs> if there are any handsome gentlemen Just out there. send in your bank account. Um, and your specs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and what tax threshold you're currently <laughs> in. <laughs> Pretty much no. Will you let me have 10 dogs? Yes or no? That's pretty <laughs> yeah, much all the criteria. <laughs> well, you do have basically a farm at your house, don't you? I do. I have, well, I had two dogs and two cats, but one of them recently died. So I'm down to one cat, <sighs> which stinks. Yeah. yeah. I love animals, love dogs and cats. Oh my God. That broke my heart when your penny passed away. Cause yeah. it really is my, my Bella, she, I got her when I was six and she passed away a few years ago and it was the same thing. She was like in my arms as she took her. It was just so, I was like, there have been humans that have passed away in my life, but I don't think I've ever been as traumatized as I was when my dog passed away. Well, like you have such a connection with, with your, with your pets. Yes. Like they are your family and the love that you have with them is, it's really special Yeah, because they are so loyal and you're so loyal to them back. Yeah. It's a really genuine and pure love. Even though I joke and say, like, if I didn't feed her, she'd probably like, be like, feed me, slut. But Cats other than do that, have that, yeah, about them. <laughs> they can be kind of assholes, but good on them. They're honest. My um, we I grew up with a lot of cats, but I'm very allergic to them. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, my mum was upset. Like we had two dogs, two cats, pretty much always growing up, and she just didn't really give a fuck about the fact that. You were covered in hives for your entire childhood. We we called it, mum called it Moonface and she thought it was hilarious. And it would, and so my room was basically like quarantine. The cat was not allowed in and I would wake up. My face would be so sore. My eyes would be like back in my brain. Oh, that, oh, you poor thing. That would be awful. She would just be like. She chose the cats over you. Yeah, always chose the cats over me. And I was like, mum, I cannot go to school like this. And she was like, she was one of those, um, those mums who was like, well, you know, too bad, so sad, right, character yep. building kind of mums who would like, you know, I, would, I wouldn't do my homework and I'd be like, mum, can you just write a letter? And she would write in my diary, like, give Michaela whatever punishment you deem necessary. <laughs> she should have done her homework. <laughs> and she would just like sit back and laugh. Savage. She was a teacher, so she was like, well, motherfucker. She's <laughs> not on your team at all. <laughs> no, I was like, have my back. But anyway, so I grew up with cats and they uh, fucked my face up. But Don't hold that against them though, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so tell me, tell us your story. So when, um, I guess, when did you, one, decide to ro- go from blogging to writing a book, from um, from being a, just a normal part of society to... 
<laughs> to an uncivilized. To writing crude shit over the internet. Like, when did that? Um, well, the book, the book, the first book happened because uh, a publisher contacted me and said, hey, uh-huh. you know, would you be keen on doing a cookbook? And I was like, fucking oath, I would. Yeah. Um, so I went in and met with them and they liked the ideas and it was all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, fucking silence. It just, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> um, so it went up to the next level of, of management or whatever and they were just like, no. Like with the capital fucking N, like, no, we are not giving this girl a book. This is ridiculous. Um, and when they told me like, oh, look, sorry, we've decided, you know, the market's probably a bit too conservative for something like what you want to write. And I was (laughs) like, the world is not ready for Well, I was like, well, I really can't argue with that. I was like, fair enough, you know? Um, and then I must've got bored because a couple of months later I got pregnant with my second child. Um, and then I kind of took it easy on Shannon's kitchen for a while. Like I didn't really do much blogging because I was like tired and pregnant and, and I was also thinking, oh, yeah, like I am a bit yuck, aren't I? I am a bit of a disgusting beast and thinking, <laughs> oh, you know, maybe I should just stop blogging. Um, mm. And then I don't know what it was. Then I just started thinking like, well, no, no, like why should everything always be for the mainstream? And like, what about the weirdos? Like who's going to make stuff for the weirdos? So then I was like, maybe I can do it myself. I'll make something for the weirdos. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be the one. <laughs> Um, so then I was like Googling, okay, you know, how do I make my own book? And like, I, that's how I did it. I literally Googled like, how do I make a book? And then it just escalated. So I start th- started off thinking it would be like this cute little, um, self-done project where I would take the photos and, you know, I would make the book myself and then it just kept escalating. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I really should get a professional photographer. You know, I'm really fucking shit at taking photos, so <laughs> I should probably get a photographer. So then I got, did that and then I was like, oh, I'm really not very good at styling the food. So maybe I should get a food stylist. So then I got a food stylist. And then the food stylist was like, you know, you really need a chef to help you in the kitchen on at the, at the shoot. So then I got a chef and then like, then I had a designer and an editor. And like, before I knew it, it had turned into like this massive proper production, mm. which was a bit terrifying because I had to borrow money. Like yeah. I had to take out a loan and stuff to, to get it done. Um, but once, it, once the ball got rolling on it, I just was so passionate about making it as fun as I could yeah. and, and as true, as true to what Shannon's Kitchen as I could. And just to make it really silly and fun and just, I just want to make people happy. Like I just want to give people a moment of joy from this serious life. Um, and then, oh yeah, I published it and it like went bananas. So it was, it was amazing. And then once I'd done it once, it's like riding a fucking bike, just straight back on it. Yeah, Love Hyman's it. gone. Just yeah, like... yeah, I've torn that bastard out. Let's just go hammer and tong now. Yeah. <laughs> that's easy. Um, that's a, like, I just, I love that. So, and because we spoke before, early before this about, because so, you've self-published the book, which to a lot of people is terrifying. And I guess almost a lot of people don't even think about it really because I guess getting your book published, there's, there's, I guess a stigma to it, you know, like you get your book published. Oh yeah, there's definitely like a bit of a stigma with indie publishing. Um, But I'd like to break that down a little bit because I think that um, it's kind of the, it makes sense for in the modern world where, you know, we are connecting with um, with people every day on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Um, Like the people who are going to read my books, I'm talking to them every day. Like I know what they want. They tell me what they want. I make stuff with them in mind. Um, like Shannon does dinner is like 
just a book of easy dinners because that's what everyone kept cooking from the first cookbook. They kept cooking all the easy dinners. So I'm like, I'm going to give you a book full of that shit then because I know you need it and you want it. Yeah. Um, so I, I can just, I have that connection with them so I can just get the book straight to them from me to them. I don't really need the bookshops in the middle um, selling them. So I, I feel like indie publishing will progress and I'm hoping it will lose some of its stigma because you can make a book that is, of an exceptional quality without going through a, a mainstream publisher. And then you get to make a lot more money off it, which yeah. is also a, a tasty treat. <laughs> when you put so much work yeah, you into do. writing and, a book. Um, yeah. And it is, I mean, it's a lot more work to indie publish because I've done both because Penguin, I published Shannon's Kitchen, got taken over by Penguin and they published it. So I've done both now and um, it's a lot more work to self-publish, but it, it, you can make it exactly as you want it. Yeah. And no one's going to say, oh, I don't think you could do that. I don't think you should say that. Or don't think you should have a picture of a penis right there. You're like, no, the, the penis belongs there, you know? <laughs> so you can just make it as, as loose as you want and say kind of whatever you want, which is great. And we're really lucky, I guess, in today's society that we do have social media and you do have a platform where you definitely, as you said, you don't need that middleman because you're connecting with your audience constantly every single yeah. fucking day. Like yeah. you know them, you know exactly what well, they like, want. We're friends now. Like I feel like I've yes. met so many people, some of them I've not met in the flesh yet, yeah. but I feel like we're, we're friends. Like, Absolutely. They care about me and I care about them. So it's, I don't, yeah, I'm, I love indie publishing because I feel like I'm right there. I'm sending the books out myself. I'm writing them notes. Um, you know, one, some, one of, um, one of my readers, um, emailed me and they're like, oh, I just, um, I just broke up. My partner just broke up with me. Um, I, I ordered your book. I pre-ordered your book, but I got it sent to their house and I was just wondering if, oh. um, you could change the address for me and send it to my house. And I was like, oh, that's fucking heartbreaking. So I was like, look, I don't want to cause any drama. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you your own book. Right. <laughs> but then like when their name like popped up, in, I was like, oh yeah. And I, so I could write like a special little note for them and do you know, like I would not so get that yeah. if, I, if I wasn't the one, you know, publishing the books, sending them out, connecting with the people. So I love it. I just fucking love it. Especially when this is basically an extension of you, you know, you're, it's like a product of your, of you, like oh, these books. So, yeah. And it's... so even when I was reading, cause I stayed up reading the book from like cover to cover the other night while the rest of my family slept. <laughs> Sitting there <laughs> reading a cookbook like a yeah, doodle. I do. I did the same with the first one <sighs> as well, because it's, you're so fucking, you're a genius. Like they're so good, but you could really feel, it was like having you in my home, like in a not creepy way because you. <laughs> I was actually standing outside the bushes of your house. I'm like, oh, you were in Brisbane actually. <laughs> I still have some twigs caught in the back of my hair. You. Well, that was weird that my dog was barking. <laughs> but you like, you, you can see how much love and effort and everything that has been put into it because there was no one else involved, you know, like, because it was just, I mean, except for all the people that you mentioned in the book who were involved and there was a lot of them, but. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, all the words, all, it's all, that's, yeah, it is, it's just me. It's my stories and it's my stupid life, I guess. But I, I love that. I love that I have met all these wonderful people and they're fucks. There's some weirdos, like yeah. legendary weirdos. Everyone is so funny. And it, building, like building this, um, online community and being part of it has actually 
restored my faith in humanity. Like yeah, a lot of people say yeah. that Instagram is like shit and it's bad for you. Uh-huh. I'm like, no, you, if you have the right people around you, it is uplifting. It is supportive. It is fucking wonderful. If you are on Instagram and you're finding yourself feeling deflated, you're following the wrong people and you're yes. in the wrong communities, you're in the wrong clubs, just yeah. follow people who make you feel like life's worth fucking living and yes. you're uplifting and make you smile. Doing good shit. Yeah, yeah I agree. I feel like way back in the day when we had like, you know, Cosmo and girlfriend and all that kind of stuff growing up. And that was like, that was our Instagram, but we didn't mm. get to choose. It was just a bunch of like Photoshop girls in a seal section that told you not to hump pillows and all that kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> or to do it, but can't get pregnant, but <laughs> which I found out. Um, and, but this, these, like these days we get to choose our magazine. We get to choose who we see. We get to decide what we're going to do with it, how we're going to use and it. And who will influence us. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Which I think is, cause I'm the same. I love flicking through Instagram and being inspired every single day. I find it super uplifting. Same. Like I don't yeah. follow the knobs who pose in their, you know, little bikinis or whatever. Oh no, they're not knobs. I shouldn't say that, but I don't follow people who, ma- who don't make me feel good yeah. about life. I just want to follow the funny buggers and. The people who are really honest as well. I yes. love that honesty that's coming through on Instagram more and more. Is like people just sh- like sharing the ups and downs of life rather than just making it their highlight reel and pretending that, you know, they're always sunning themselves or drinking cocktails or whatever. That's like, <laughs> no, my kid needed a shit. I had to pull the car over. I, he shit into a bag. Like, you know, that's the sort of stuff <laughs> yeah. you can kind of find on Instagram now that makes you realize that your life is pretty normal. Yeah. And you're and, not alone. Yeah, you're not alone. You're not crazy. And I think that's like... I mean, there's a lot of people out there struggling, especially mums, you know, dealing with a lot of mental illnesses and all that kind of thing, because I think for so long we have felt so alone in our emotions and so alone in our feelings. And for a long time, no one really discussed anything or talked any type of about anything real. Well, maternal care for ages, and it still has a long way to go. Like Mm. we're at the bottom of the frigging picking order, like mothers, just our health and our well-being just is not valued the way that it should be. Mm-hmm. Like we should almost be the top priority because if we are not thriving, the family isn't thriving. Oh shit! So no. like, it's we need to take care of ourselves as well. But other people need to honour mothers a bit more. I think. Yeah. Because we're fucking goddesses. Oh for God's God. sake! When you think about it, yeah, we turn a blob of jizz into yeah. a fucking person. Blows my mind. It is actual insanity, isn't it? And we're stressed about the coronavirus and we can make fucking human beings yeah. from scratch. <laughs> right, from scratch. From scratch. One ingredient. Like, we're and amazing. Like, we're out buying like, you know, entire shopping centres worth of toilet paper. <laughs> like, what can we do with a bit of jizz? Like, it blows my mind. Watch us. Yeah, watch How us. has your journey as a mother, I mean, and you've also written a book, a parenting book, which is also so great. And if you haven't got it, I recommend getting is it still available? Yeah, of course <laughs> it bloody is. Yeah, Parenting for Legends. Um, so tell us about your parenting journey and even balancing, I guess, being a businesswoman and or being a writer and all that kind of stuff with also being a mum because it's a hard juggle oh, trying it's, to find it's that It's totally a juggle and I would be a fucking liar if I said that I had the balance right because I don't because yeah. sometimes I'm like super mom, you know, just doing heaps of shit with the kids and feeling like I'm nailing that. But then I'm like, oh fuck, I haven't done any work for about three days. Um, And then other times like I'll be like work, work, work. And the kids will be watching a lot of TV and eating nuggets. Um, So (laughs) I don't get it right. But I think I've over time, like when I first became a mum, I had really high expectations of myself. um, And I really did not take care of myself 
at all. I just sort of met, met the needs of the family and, um, didn't really worry about myself. And I think starting the blog was kind of the first step in, in me making myself a bit of a priority and recognizing that I needed to kind of have fun too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, as for the balancing, it does not exist for me, but I just keep trying to, 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 to meet my needs and make, and just make the house as joyful as possible. But yeah. that's not my responsibility alone. Everyone in the family is responsible for bringing like the joy, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. What um, about you? How do you do? You balance? Are you? Do you have a balance? <laughs> no. <laughs> but it. But and it is so hard because you've only got so many hours in the day, and like you know, those mum guilts always will seep on in. Either you'll feel guilty because you're not as you said, you're not doing enough for yourself and having a creative outlet, I think is so healing and so important because as a mum, like one of the biggest things is that you do kind of begin to lose your identity of like you as Shannon, as Mickey, you know, like you just become Maddie's mum, Herbie's Mm. mum, you know, like if it, when other kids start calling me Maddie's mum, I'm like, oh, I hate that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I've never thought about that. Yeah, I am. He's Jack's mum sort of thing. Yeah, that's true. Um, I feel like a bit of a celebrity amongst the kids though, because you're like, you're like, oh, that's Jack's mum. And then you're like, hi, hi. Yes, that's me. (laughs) Huge celeb, like in the kindergarten. Oh, if kids love you, then you're, you know, you feel like the best person in the world. Yeah. And um, how about Mr. Shannon? How how have you, him, I can't even use my fucking words today. Um, I didn't get a coffee until really late today and I lost my keys. Has not kicked We in. spoke about all that. <laughs> <laughs> I went full dragon lady. Um, because I know a lot of women struggle, I guess, having that support, like that male, like their partners supporting them because you don't really have that much time and you do need that extra support when you're, when you're looking after children. They're at work. You're also trying to find some sort of work and like you know, it is a difficult balance. Oh, definitely. And, um, Mr. Shannon is great now, but when he first became a father, he was a bit of a tool. Like he oh. wasn't like, and he wasn't like straight into fatherhood. Yeah. Um, cause our first child was a surprise. Um, <laughs> yeah. and so like our lifestyle changed significantly. And for me, it changed mm-hmm. the second that I found out that I was pregnant. Yes. Um, so for me, that's when I was, I, uh, that's when motherhood kind of began for me. It was the second. You felt that, pregnant. Yeah. That I realized, well, when <laughs> I learned, you found there, out there, you there were a few uh, sketchy weeks in between. <laughs> um, but he was a bit more, he struggled quite a lot with, with, with becoming a father. Yeah. Um, but over time he has really grown into it and he is an amazing dad, but he is, he's also learned how to be a great husband as well, because our roles change so much. Um, mm. um, you know, the relationship that we used to have, obviously it it fucking changes. Like having Mm -hmm. a child, a baby, it's like a grenade kind of enters the relationship and you just in survival mode for a while and you don't pay each other a lot of attention and you can kind of, for some couples and us, we were definitely this, we grew apart a lot because we couldn't, we couldn't meet each other's needs for a Mm. while there. Um, but over time you sort of get in the groove of it, whatever, or you get better. I've got a lot better at asking for what I want and saying yeah. what I need. Yeah. Um, and now he's, he's so supportive and he's always been supportive of my creative shit. And, um, like he knows, he knows he gets the full 
Shannon, you know, full throttle Shannon. He knows how extreme <laughs> it is. Like, um, so yeah, he's been an amazing support. I couldn't have done any of this without him. Yeah. He was like, always like, you can do this. Like he's always got my back. He always believes that I can get shit done. So he's a good egg. How were you together long before you found out you were pregnant? Yeah. Like f- uh, four years or something. Oh so yeah. we'd gotten, we'd just gotten engaged. Yeah. And then like a couple of months later, we must've been celebrating a bit excessively. Yeah. Plus also he reckoned, you know, he could pull out in time. Oh. Turns out fucking couldn't. Pull out method does not work. <laughs> does I can back that. <laughs> and now we have Maddie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a gift. <laughs> Bloody turkeys. But shame on us for believing them. I mean, Jesus. Especially after like four beers. Okay. All right. Sure you well, can. Well, yeah, yeah. On the other side, there's me too many wines deep going. It's all right, babe. Like no one. <laughs> Just a tip. <laughs> yeah. No, no, she'll be fine. Don't think I can have babies anyway. Um, <laughs> so you were together for four years beforehand. Because I know Chris and I were only together for six months before I felt pregnant. Wow, that is awesome. Which has actually benefited us in because I guess when you're together with someone for so long before you have children, it's more of a shock yes. afterwards. Yes, like when you have, whereas we'd been together for 30 seconds. He was in bloody Canada for majority of that time. Um, Heavens to Betsy. Wow. Yeah. And then he just came back, put her in and on we went. So we didn't know anything different. Our relationship pretty much knew nothing different than a baby. Being a family. Yeah. Being a family and like, you know, being on one wage and all that kind of stuff. So everything for us is just like getting better. This is how we do it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not that I recommend getting pregnant with someone you've only just met. I mean, like. (laughs) That's worked out well for you. (laughs) Doesn't mean it will work out for everyone. But what would be even your like tips and tricks for dealing with that adjustment? Or probably, I think a lot of it for us came down to expectation. Like um, I had certain set of expectations for him on on how he should behave as as a father and a husband. And he did not meet them. And so then <laughs> yeah. instead of, you know, saying, I need this from you, blah, 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 I would just like fucking punish him somehow. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. a, like a silly bitch. Um, <laughs> like a silly but bitch. I think um, for us, like we're in like a really healthy place in our marriage now. Yeah. Um, and it really has come down to just fucking ask. Yes, uh, like a say, yeah. mind readers do not exist. Yeah. Even if you've known someone for, you know, we've been together for 11 years, sometimes he would still be like, oh, you need oh, you, you don't want me to fix the problem. You just want me to listen to it. Yes. That sort of shit. So yes, don't fucking solve it for me. Just let me bitch here for five minutes yes. straight. You don't even have to listen. Just be there and not. Just, just, yeah. Yeah. So I think being like quite forthright um, yeah. with him, with what I with what I need and, and him back to me has really fucking worked for us. And I mean, sometimes we, I'll say, no, fuck off. You're not doing that. Or like, or yeah. he'll be like, oh, come on. But it's, I think it's just the more honest and open you are and just say what you want. Don't expect people to, you know, know what you need. You have to, you have to ask for it. I feel like that's just in life too. As women, I think we have grown up not thinking that we can ask for what we want. Oh, we were, our whole generation, and, but Jesus, the generations before us had it so much worse, but mm. like growing up is like, you get what you're given mm-hmm. sort of thing. Or asking was seen as being, you know, even aggressive or greedy. Mm-hmm. There was so, there's so many when you when you dissect it, there are so many like bad feelings there um, and why women are afraid to ask for stuff, but why fucking shouldn't we? Yeah, I agree. I feel like there's, 
I mean, we've discussed this on the podcast quite a bit. I mean, I'm a bit of a feminist, so I love talking about this sort of thing and the oppression of women. But asking, just simply asking for what we want is like a huge thing. And that was a game changer even in my own relationship was recognizing that as soon as I started asking for it, you were getting shit. I was getting it. Yeah. And it was like in my career, in everything else, you know, we kind of like have this idea that if we just like sit back and be good people, good things will just sort of like all opportunities will fall in our lap. And like, you know, if we meditate enough or whatever mm. it is, like all of a sudden someone will walk up to you and be like, I have this giant opportunity for you. It's everything you've you <laughs> yeah. Come to me. <laughs> Come on. You've got the, you know. But you have to like talk to people, put yourself out there, start like asking for what you want yeah, and not what just you need. like, yep. yeah, absolutely. And like, especially um, as women, like don't be fucking afraid. Don't yeah. be afraid to, and like networking and going to different events and like putting yourself in positions and places and spaces that are terrifying is like the best thing that you can ever do. Yeah, definitely. I think. I think it's really hard for, or like that was hard traditionally for me because I just didn't feel worthy of that. Yes. I didn't feel worthy of, of attention. I didn't feel worthy of, of asking for, for anything really. Um, but now I'm like, fucking ask hole. Like I'm just, ask <laughs> I'm just asking left, right and center for things. And also like you, people can say no, like we have the power to yeah. say no and other people have the power to say no to us. And I think if we respect, you know, the ask and the ability to say yes or no, it's all fucking sweet. Everyone can just ask for whatever they want. Well, take us through that journey. Can I a bit put more. it in your bottom? <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. No, oh, that, that's always a really hard no from me. <laughs> <A> firm no. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. That's like the midwife after I just had Marley and she like held up, like I was like legs spread. She had this little legs akimbo. Oh, goodness. Just going to pop this up your bottom, love. And I was like, what for? What, why? Oh, so this is a new thing. Um, to check that there was no internal tears. Wherever in your it ring was, piece. in the ring piece, because otherwise you can end up with fecal incontinence. And I honestly thought I'd take fecal St incontinence. So over. you took the fe you took the possibility of fecal incontinence over a little <laughs> a little pinky up your bottom. I thought about it. I thought Crunched about the it. numbers, and I was like, I hadn't. I'd like they didn't end up giving me an epidural, so I was like, still, I was, I was not numb. I'd just given birth to a child, but I still was like, maybe not. <laughs> You are not playing the back back nine girlfriend. Step <laughs> yeah. away. I'm like, haven't I been through enough already? <laughs> yeah, you want to put your pinky up my bottom? <laughs> yeah. Actually, I was listening. Oh. I can't remember where I heard this the other day, but someone said something about how for nine months our hands are sort of held along our pregnancy journey. You know, like you're going to midwife appointments, you're seeing obstetricians and this person, you know, different a doula, a witch doctor, whoever the fuck it is, like along your journey. And then you have the baby, it's handed to you, and they're like, all right, bye-bye. Adios, muchachos, you're on your own. <laughs> yes. And that, just that idea, I was like, that is so true and so mind-blowing that there isn't some sort of something to like. To support you through that, because that is the hardest bit, isn't it? Like when you get them home. Yeah. That is when the shit hits the fans. And the they big... try to send you home as ASAP as possible. I know, and a lot of the time they'll try and like get you out before you've even established breastfeeding and stuff, asking for trouble. Yeah. And because we don't have like the aunties and, and, you know, the sisters or whoever with us around us all the time teaching us how to do it, like passing it or passing all the info on and all that gold and all that support, we just don't have it anymore. Yeah. That's, I think, why so many 
of mothers are struggling because they just don't have that support. We should have it from our family and friends, but like often you're so like we're all spread out mm-hmm. across the frigging globe. It's really hard. And everyone's so fucking busy these days. Very. <laughs> like, ain't nobody busy. got time. Ain't nobody got time to show me how to get this baby to latch on. <laughs> yeah. I remember Chris was doing all the latching for me right at the beginning. What and a the stud. What a man. Yeah. He'd just be, he, he was watching Step like aside, the Mickey. videos. Oh, bless him. <laughs> and he's like YouTubing it and then he's like grabbing baby's mouth, my nipple, and he's just like chucking it on. And I'm just sitting there like. Like, what the fuck is going on He right is now? a dream man. He is a dream man. <laughs> he has his moments. <laughs> um, but what was the hardest thing for you, like, as a mum, do you think? Like, what was, the, what was the, the thing about motherhood that you went, this has probably been the most difficult part for me? I reckon for me, the most difficult part has been letting go. So I never used to really worry about anything. I was quite carefree. And yeah. now I am fucking terrified yeah. of everything. Like I'm worried I'm going to die. Yeah. You know, yes. worried, you know, all this, you know, I'm worried that they're going to get, you know, really sick or they're going to get injured really badly or they're going to die. Like I didn't, I have this fear, um, this, you know, this fear around losing them because they, yes. um, they are so like every mother and father feel about their children. They're so fucking precious yeah. to me. And and the thought of, of something happening to them just... I do worry about that. So that for me is probably the hardest part. And then letting them go, like letting them go off to kinder or letting them go and get babysat by someone or, you know, letting them jump off that big fucking boulder, you know, oh, like, yeah. stuff like that. And you've that. got two boys, like, oh. so that would be like. Yeah, they're little legends. They're wild boys. But um, that for me has been the hardest part is just like letting them spread their wings without me wrapping them up in little blankets and breastfeeding them forever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my oldest could chew fucking T-bone steak, so that would definitely not be a good idea anymore. No, yeah, that would hurt. (laughs) Yeah, Marley's got like about a thousand teeth now. Oh, and And he's not shy about using them? No, he is not. He bites so much. He's like... He's using you as a teething ring. Oh, it hurts so bad. It doesn't matter like what you put near his mouth. He's like a piranha. He's just like latches on with his teeth and it's so hectic. That would be... And like the boy, like the boys compared to, I mean, in my experience, cause Maddie, she never climbed. She was scared of everything. She's still like, I can go to a playground, a road and anything. And I know that she. She'd be like, I don't think this slide fits with fucking Australian safety <laughs> compliance. Um, <laughs> mom, get over here. I'm not, there's no way. You get the protractor out, mom. I don't like the angle of this slide. It looks far too steep. <laughs> this playground is not fenced and it's very close to a right. Yeah, she and she. And there's an like, older gentleman over there wearing a trench coat. I'm not sure about this, mom. Let's go. <laughs> what has he got his camera out for? <laughs> she is like, yeah, she's a safety instructor. And she just went from, she does not do things until she can, until she knows she can nail it. So she just Aww. went from crawling to one day running across the room. There was no, a few steps here or there. There was no climbing, nothing she like that. She planned it out perfectly. So planned mm-hmm. and just like never takes risks, which is going to suck like further in life, but that's like a future us problem. At the moment, it's great. <laughs> At the moment, it's just very helpful. She's just afraid of everything. It's awesome. <laughs> and whereas my, I've got four nephews uh, within, there's their triplets and then another one. Wow. Triplets. That's amazing. Oh, it's so nuts. So she fell pregnant with the triplets when the other baby was four months old. So she's got four boys within a year. Please tell me she has a crown. Please tell me she walks around with a fucking crown because she deserves one. Yeah, I know. She's so, she's amazing. 
and it's nuts, but four boys, I look after them and holy shit, just things that I'm like scanning the room and I'll be like, nothing dangerous in here. And they'll be like, oh, yes, there is. Watch me. (laughs) my God. One of my nephews literally almost climbed onto a roof the other day and I hope she's not listening to this because she would die. (laughs) Oh, dear. And I like turn turn around for one second looking after the other three and he's literally almost on a roof. And I was like, how? How the fuck is that possible? And I'm like figuring it out, how, what he used and all that kind of stuff. Like, why do they want to kill themselves so much? They really love to just test the boundaries, don't they? Although, I've, so I've got two boys yeah. and my oldest is actually quite sensible. Okay. So um, he is, uh, yeah, he's just a real legend. Like he's just, he takes risks, but he's calculated risks. Yeah, yeah. Whereas my young one is a fuck knuckle when it comes <laughs> to risks. Like he would just go down, like he'd be two and he'd be wanting to go down a ginormous fireman's pole. Do you know what I Yeah, yeah. I'm like, you will plummet to your almost certain death child. Can you just wait a minute? Like he's completely different. Um, so I am always trying to like crunch the numbers and work out what risks I can let him take where he might get like mildly hurt. Yeah. But not, you know, deathly hurt. <laughs> and try and get him to realize that sometimes... You know, you just got to not do something, son, because you'll get really hurt. (laughs) But yeah. mummy just honestly does not have time for a hospital trip. Oh, yeah. We had one. We had We had the lamest fucking ambulance trip. So I was working at home and I was on the computer and he was right there beside me and he was, had a little like matchy car and he was like, rim, rim, rim in it on the floor. And then all of a sudden he is shrieking, like screaming. And this kid is, he's like a tough kid because he had um, recurrent ear infections as a baby. So his pain threshold is like pretty high. So for him to scream from pain, I was like, what has happened? But I knew he hadn't fallen because I was right beside him. Yeah. So then I'm like, oh my God, he must've been bitten by a spider or something. So I started like trying to strip off his clothes or I thought maybe a bee had got, you know, something, I thought something had bitten him. That was my first instinct. So I started to try and take his clothes off, like his top off to look for whatever you know, the, this little fucking eight-legged perpetrator. <laughs> yeah, and then he's like, ah, he screamed more when I went to take his jumper off. Then so I was like, oh, no. He, and I thought, oh, maybe he's dislocated his collarbone or Good thing you're a something. nurse. Yeah, so all this shit's gone through my head. So then I was like, oh. So I, like, transferred him to the couch and I'm, like, trying to say, you know, he's only three at this point. And I was like, you know, what's happened? Like, where is it hurting? Can you point to where it's hurting? And he was just in so much pain. He could not speak. Um, and so then I got my husband and I was like, he wasn't, wasn't far away. So I was like, come home, take us to the doctor. So we went to the doctor and he, Herbie's still screaming his fucking lungs out at the doctor. Oh. They all started to panic and, um, they were trying to, um, you know, give him a proper examination, but he was in so much pain they couldn't. So they ended up calling an ambulance and then we, <laughs> we get to the hospital and, um, they're examining him too. And they're kind of like, what the hell is going on? And then they did all these various tests He'd pulled a neck muscle. He'd pulled a neck muscle playing (laughs) fucking matchies. Like that was it. We were in an ambulance for that, for excessive car vrooming. (laughs) So. mm. Was he handed a green, like a couple of green whistles at any point? Like just. They tried to give him a whistle and he was like, like he was just, he wouldn't even, he was just, he could not even. even, It must have been incredibly painful. Yeah, I know. I was like, give mummy the whistle for God's sake. (laughs) I'll suck that thing. um, Yeah, he was just. Overwhelmed by pain, but it was a fucking pulled neck muscle. Oh my god! How embarrassing! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, doctors. 
<laughs> do you have any, what's, have you injured yourself much? Like, do you have any embarrassing injury stories yourself? Any embarrassing injury stories myself? I don't really think, like, I, I, I was a pretty big tomboy as a kid, so I hurt myself all the fucking time, like falling off horses or jumping off logs that split my chin on all sorts of shit. But no, I don't think I've ever hurt myself really embarrassingly, but I have seen someone else hurt themselves embarrassingly. When I was, um, I used to work in emergency as a nurse and a guy came in because he'd snapped his dick. So, um, have you ever seen a broken penis? No. They're very funny. They kind of look like, (laughs) like a broken pair of spectacles or something. Like it just kind of flops to one side and the balls are still doing their thing, but it kind of just like pulled to one side. So this guy's there and his, his, his partner is with him. Um, and we're trying to ascertain exactly, How you know, happened. what's going on down there. And he was like, Oh, so I was like, you know what, you know what, what's happened? And he's like, oh, I think I've snapped my dick. And I was like, oh, good heavens, that sounds, you know, unpleasant. And um, then he, I was like, oh, okay, so, ha- you know, what? trying to work out what had happened. Yeah. And um, he offered to show me a video of how he did it. Oh, my God. <laughs> so he was ramming it on in and he'd misjudged the angle. <laughs> and he, you know, hit flesh, hit unyielding flesh and his dick broke. So, yeah. Does it stay hard? Oh, this thing was not hard at all. It was like, it was like a gummy worm. It was a very unhappy penis. How does it break? So, okay. So like the ligaments. So it's not like a bone, but the ligaments All of a sudden I'm like, I've got to imagine like this big old bone inside. (laughs) It's broken off inside me. It's it's still there. (laughs) Have it stuffed and mounted for laters. No, yeah, the ligaments can snap and then they're just, they're very funny to look at, but you don't say that to the person. No, they don't, they don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> they're probably already <laughs> really vulnerable. Well, would they come in with pants, like, do you, would they come in with pants on or just like sort of covering it? Because would it be too painful to. He had tracky, like no jocks oh, and trackies yeah. on. Um, I've only ever seen two broken doodles, but they were both done the same way with, you know, significant too... ramming, over-enthusiastic ramming. I love that he had a video as well. He was desperate to show it to us too. And we were like, no, thank you. <laughs> Every time, everyone who came in, he was like, want to see the video? Oh. I don't think he had any takers, poor guy. <laughs> we all have access to porn. We don't yeah. want to see <laughs> I do kind of regret not watching it now, though. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> you would. Do you have any other funny, like, nurse stories? Oh, so many. Like, like nursing is just, like, we should be followed around with cameras because funny shit happens all the time. I feel like um, that should be your next book. Yeah, <laughs> just all my ridiculous nursing <laughs> stories. Oh, probably one of the, one of the, the grossest thing that ever happened to me was, um, one day I started my shift and I went into this guy who I'd been looking after for like two months. So I knew him really well. And I walked into the room and he's like, got desperate eyes. And he's like, Shannon, um, my bag needs to be emptied. So he's talking about his ileostomy bag. So if anyone who doesn't know what an ileostomy is, it's pretty much like, um, you know, if the bowel has been cut out or is resting for some reason, like perhaps they have bowel cancer, something like that, um, you make a new bum hole kind of, but on, <laughs> on the abdomen and then yeah. the a, a bag catches the poop. So anyway, he had an ileostomy and ileostomies drain quite liquid poo as opposed to big old nuggets. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I said, no worries, I'll be right back. So I went and got the equipment, came back in and pulled the blanket back. And this bag was like, it looked like a set of bagpipes. Like it was huge and it was like (gasps) just ready to blow, like full pressure. So I looked at it and I'm like, all right, Shannon, you can fucking get your, pull your shit together here. You <laughs> gotta, you've got to take the pressure down so easy because this thing is ready to blow. So I like lean in nice and close and I'm like, easy does it. I start peeling back the bag. 
easy does it. And then I must have like broken the seal and just shit all over my face. (laughs) Someone else has shit over your face. I knew him pretty well though. I'd looked after him for two months and we just like locked eyes. Like, and his eyes were the size of fucking saucers. And just locked eyes. I reckon it was about five seconds of solid, like, what the fuck just happened? Eye contact. And then I just started pissing myself laughing. And then he started pissing himself laughing. And then I finished cleaning him up. And then I went and wiped my face with an alcohol swab for about 35 minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you just become desensitized to, I guess it's like, you know, when you, after you've had kids and you like a bit of poo on you. Oh yeah. Piss, like, Nursing is ultimate desensitization. Like you could literally take a shit on the desk next to me and I would be able to continue talking. Like, it's not an issue. You just start cleaning it up, like, without even... Oh, totally, yeah. yeah scoop it in my handbag, sort it out later. No worries. I guess it's like, you know, like a like someone that does laser or waxing or something, seeing vaginas. Oh, it's nothing, yeah, set of vulva, whatever. Although what you would it? probably be the same. Yeah, like, I've seen so many genitals, like, so many. Plus, I also used to work in a strip club, so I have seen a lot of genitals. Okay. No, I wasn't. I wasn't a stripper. No one would pay to see my vulva. I can guarantee that. But I worked behind the bar at a strip club for a while. Um, I feel like we just need to go back to that. That is like, so tell us about some of your, your jobs in your time. So you worked behind a bar at a strip club. Yeah. When I was at uni, I did that for yeah. a while. Sounds like a I was uni a, job. I did. I was a legal secretary for a while. What? Oh, yes. Very Ooh. professional. I very wouldn't professional. have expected that. Yeah, I know. I was not very good at it. I love like this, like past lives. Like, yeah. Pa- let's talk about past lives. I did a heap, heap of hospitality, like, you know, just bar and restaurant stuff. I really liked working in hospitality. It was pretty fun. Do you like, is it like the talking to people and. Yeah, just like? people are out. They're happy. They're usually in a good mood. It's Probably behind. Good. Yeah, I guess if you were People were usually in a good mood at the strip club, that's for sure. <laughs> They probably would have been your best customers ever. (laughs) Oh, it was an amazing job at uni. I I didn't last there all that long because I got a bit sick of it because it does have a really, you know, there's a dark element to it. After a while, you're like, ew. Um, But like at uni, one night a guy was like, this is back when you could smoke in pubs and clubs and stuff. Yeah. I was like, hey, hey, darling, will you light my cigarette? And I was like, sure. Like, gave me a hundred fucking dollars. Oh. And I was just like. This is the best job ever. <laughs> You're like, like going around with yeah, your lighter, like, like healing yeah, yeah, everyone else. <laughs> sh- 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 up, boys. Um, so yeah, it was a great job at the time because, um, like at uni, like I was making fuck all money in a cafe or whatever, but you could work there and a couple of nights a week and pretty sorted. What did you study? Oh, I was about to say, what did you study at uni? Dirt nursing. So well, you yeah, but at the time I was studying science. So I was studying oh. science at the University of Melbourne. Did you always want to be a nurse? No. Oh, well, I kind of did in, I kind of did in high school and then, um, I ended up getting like a pretty good score at school. So, and then I was getting pressure, like you got to do something with your score. So yeah. I started doing physiotherapy. Oh, wow. Um, and I just fucking hated it. So yep. I fucking hated it. And so I dropped out, moved to Melbourne and yeah, just, um, like just did different stuff for a while. And so where were you living at the time? Where was I living? I was living in, I was living in Melbourne. Okay. Um, I can't remember what suburb I was living in. I moved a lot. I don't know what they are. Yeah, right? they're irrelevant anyway. <laughs> boring. <laughs> but yeah, I was studying science then because um, I was like trying to get into vet to be a vet veterinarian. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which but then during sense. that year, um, my both my grandparents became really ill. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, one had emphysema. He used to be he was a mechanic, um, and he had really bad emphysema. And um, my grandma had um, pneumonia, and she just never. They got put in hospital and they just never got out. So mm. they were, my grandma was in there for like six months. So I was going back. Oh. Um, they lived up in the country like three hours away from Melbourne. So um, I was going back to 
to Yarrawonga all the time to be with them in the hospital and spend a lot of time with them. Um, and it was during that time I was watching the nurses, watching the work that they did. Um, and I was like, that is me. Like I, this is what I want to do. So, um, mm. I dropped out of science and enrolled into nursing and I fucking loved it. Yeah. So how long did you nurse? Like, did, oh, were you nursing shit, for? I don't know. Like, uh, maybe seven years or something like that. And did you have like a certain, because I know there's different, obviously, parts of the hospital that you can work in. Was there a particular, did you prefer emergency over? Oh, I liked emergency. Emergency was fun because you get to make a lot of decisions. Like you have a lot more autonomy as a nurse in emergency than you do on the ward. Yeah. Because you just have to make those decisions and you can, you can initiate a lot of treatment before the doctors sort of come. Whereas when you're on the ward, everything has to be, um, really ordered by the doctor. Um, but I did get kind of burnt out in emergency cause I was working in, um, Footscray emergency department, which is pretty hectic, um, pretty hectic place to work with a lot of, um, drug overdoses and it was a really stressful place to work. So I, um, went, then I moved to a ward. I did colorectal, um, and breast nursing. So working with a lot of patients that have, um, bowel cancer and breast cancer. Jesus. And that was, I, I, I enjoyed, um, I enjoyed the work more in emergency, but I enjoyed the relationships and mm. and the community of being on a ward and having patients that you kind of get to see the outcome. You get to be with them and look after them for, for days, weeks, possibly months, and you get to sort of become part of their life. So yeah. I love that part of it. I really miss that part of it. Whereas oh. on emergency, they're like, they're in, then they're gone. And like, you never kind of knew what happened. And yeah, so I liked, to, I liked to see it out more. Yeah. See the whole thing through. Yeah. Was it like Grey's Anatomy working in a hospital? Well, I never passed anyone in an elevator or anything, so <laughs> I'm going to have to say no. I always like, because I spent um, a bit of time in hospitals not working, but because I was just like full special when I was a kid as far as like broke my bones all Aww. the time. And I would always just sit in the hospitals and just like watch all the doctors and the nurses. And I'm like, who's fucking who? And I'm There's like, not a lot to... of fucking going on in hospitals. Or Damn. if there is, I was completely oblivious no to it. No one invited you. Well, I mean, well, I did get invited actually <laughs> once, but it wasn't by, it wasn't by a handsome, robust doctor. It was by a fucking old man in patient. I was giving him a bed bath and, um, I got to the dig zone and he was like, this cute old man. And he's like, uh, you can uh, give it a little rub if you like. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, oh, mate, they barely pay me enough to wash it, let alone tug it. And he was like, fair enough. And then we just started talking about the weather. <laughs> That's the only time I got come on to. <gasps> How Bloody rude. Bullshit. I would feel like Super rude. I honestly considered getting into the industry. That's, uh, that is a lie, actually. There is a bit of like, there's quite a lot of flirting in oh, the hospitals, yes. but um, I don't. I don't. I never saw anyone passion in a stairwell, yeah, which is super disappointing, isn't it? Because that's what you would expect. Like for me, I would expect that. I would expect to walk in and like meet a McDreamy <laughs> and there's nothing like a sexy doctor. And Yeah, you're more likely to be showering an old man and get your leg urinated on than you are to meet the man of your dreams, I'm afraid. <laughs> but you know, you can try. Well, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Just reach for the stars and not end up with some old guy giving him you a target bath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all you can hope oh. for. Um, at least you would have made his day, you know. Oh, he was, I, yeah. <laughs> I wish I could have made it more, but I just wasn't willing to go that extra mile, sir. <laughs> um, let's talk about, so how long does it take you from like beginning, like concept to end? How long does it take you to write a book? Um, these all took me about six months each of of writing and coming up with the ideas and everything. And then you have like the the, the shoots 
and the design and stuff. So uh, that takes a few months as well. But the actual writing of it take, took me about six months for each book. Do you have a favourite book? Like, is it like picking a, a favourite child? Yeah, it is, which means it depends on the day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love them all. They're all different. So that I, I honestly do not have a favourite. I don't have a favourite. Probably the new one is I'm most fond of at the moment because it's the freshest. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty wild. This one's pretty silly and out there. So do you feel like... Do you have a favourite of, of, my, of my books? I no, know. I would yet. feel it's the same. I mean, mm. I've... Shan, like the the OG Shannon's Kitchen has been in my life for a long time, and it's so you like, feel pretty loyal to that. Yeah. I respect that. I respect There's that. There's a chicken soup in there that makes its way into my. Oh, weekly, that makes me so happy. Yeah, every every week when I was pregnant, all I wanted was that chicken soup. I wish that was what I wanted when I was pregnant. All I wanted was fucking chocolate covered digestives. Oh, really? <laughs> with my with my first pregnancy, I craved coriander. So like, like coriander yeah. in salads. Yeah, yeah. Second pregnancy, fucking chocolate covered digestives. I feel, I'm so pissed off. Both of my pregnancies, I didn't particularly have any crazy cravings and I felt really ripped off because I was like, this is the one time in my life where I can yell at people and be like, if I don't get a pickle, or whatever. Yeah, pickle dipped in peanut butter, <laughs> yeah. you will fucking be eviscerated, yeah, like, son. <laughs> and cravings are like that. It's like you cannot see past mm. that. Like the world doesn't go on. After, like, until you get that thing. That's how I was with the digestives. Oh, really? <laughs> I had a pack-a-day habit, girlfriend, <laughs> but I was very regular. Oh, my God. Yeah, I bet you were. <laughs> had some good consequences for my ass in that I was shitting like a bandit, but less pleasant consequences for my ass in that it got significantly wider. <laughs> whatever. Your body's like, these aren't actually good for us. <laughs> I'm not asking you, body. I'm asking the taste buds. <laughs> yeah. It's their turn. I actually, well, with Maddie, I craved, you know, the Calippo ice blocks. Oh, yeah. I actually ended up eating about a box of those a day. Wow. And so I got a bit crazy about that. But with Marley, all I craved was chicken soup and green vegetables and green smoothies. There would be a lot of other pregnant women who would want to punch you in the face for that. I, feel. <laughs> I felt very much like someone, you know, and I would, I just was so hell. I was like, did you feel well? Like, did you have, like, did you have a good, was it a good pregnancy as in like you felt well? Uh, no, I was really angry all the time. Furious, fuming, <laughs> a fuming pregnancy. <laughs> and everything hurt. So I was Aww. like, probably that's why my body was like, we need to at least eat good food because that might be the thing that tips you over the edge. Yeah. <laughs> She has a golden gay time, girlfriend. This is over. We are done for. Speaking of done for, um, are you done having kids, do you think? or I am done. I yeah. am done. We were kind of keen for a third. We always thought we would have three, um, but I've got a dud uterus. So oh, that's there right. Are no, Let's talk about that, actually. Yeah, there are no, no options for a third. Oh, That's I'm all right. I'll just get another fucking dog or something. <laughs> it is so sh like, so you've, because you've got endometrial. Endometriosis, yep, and adenomyosis. Okay, so I know about endo, but what's the other one? Endo. Ad adenomyosis. Ad so it's, it's quite it's quite similar to endo in that, um, so with endometriosis, you've got tissue similar to the lining of the uterus growing outside the uterus. Yeah. So it might grow in your bowel or your bladder or the ligaments around or your abdominal wall, and it just causes, well, fucking havoc, as you can imagine. Like, that does not belong there. Yeah, it shouldn't be there. fucked up yeah. my appendix. So, so you have endo as well? Yeah. Yeah, right. So adenomyosis is um, similar, but it's like the, through the through the wall of the uterus and on the on the outside wall of the uterus. Mm -hmm. So um, it's different to endo in that um, it's sort of, sort of contained 
to the uterus, but it causes significant bleeding. Like I only just got diagnosed with it last year. I didn't even know I had it. Um, but I, looking back, I've had it my whole life. I've always been anemic. Um, mm. and I've always had significant, um, blood loss, um, for periods and things, but now I know why. Um, and just the pain, oh my God, the pain of, well, you would know with endo, it is fucking excruciating. It's so, it's so crazy how, um, cause I feel like so many women have endometriosis or PCOS or, I mean, that's the first I've even heard of adenoid. Adenomyosis. Adeno- yeah. I'm never going to get it right. Don't worry I feel about like it. I'm yeah. going to keep trying to <laughs> say it. like so many of us have problems like that or problems falling pregnant and, and I mean, who knows what it could be. It could like, you know, I'd love to do an entire series on trying to figure out like the different reasons maybe why women are struggling so much more these days, which just adds another pressure on to us. I think, I think like though it has like women have, have had trouble falling pregnant before mm. or have had a lot of miscarriages, stillborn births, but it was kind of swept under the rug a bit more. People yeah. weren't allowed to talk about it. They weren't even allowed to grieve, like, or, yes. you know, for miscarriages and things. So I felt like it probably did happen a probably lot. Just it just, it. they just d- said nothing. Like I went to um, a funeral um, a couple of years ago and learned that she, w- she wasn't one of two. She was one of four. It's just that the two other babies were, were born, um, stillborn. Oh my so God. So, you know, the dad had four kids, but there were only two. I never even knew that. And I knew this family very, very well, but they never spoke of it. They never spoke of that grief. They never spoke of that loss. So they had, but they had four children. They didn't have two. Um, but th- like, I feel like now at least we can talk about it. We're allowed to talk about having, you know, problems in that area. Like everyone seems so freaking shy to talk about. Yes. Yes. You know, I... It is. And it is so true. And then I feel like we're comparing ourselves to the generation before who never spoke about anything. And, you know, even like when we've spoken about postnatal depression and stuff on the podcast before, it's not until I'm then talking to like my own mom or like Chris's aunts and parents and stuff like that. And they're going, oh yeah, I definitely had postnatal depression after such and such a child or whatever. And I'm going like, who did you talk to? Like, what did you do? Oh God, no, we never told anyone. And oh, like, it's so sad, isn't it? You know, like there's all these things that we think that we're so like, I guess, alone in it. And we never recognize that, you know, and so sad that they never had the opportunity to share or like feel like they could, you know, I yeah. look back and like my Nana passed away not that long ago. And I'm like, did I even really know her, you know, because they just they held so much in. Yeah. yeah they were buddies. kind of like an Instagram highlight reel. Yeah. That in their was their own for life. themselves. Yeah. Yep. Um, we're, we're very lucky that our, our generation are able to express ourselves a lot freer than anyone before us. We are really fucking lucky. But, but we're also trailblazers in that, you know, we're doing it. Yeah. We're putting it out there as well. So, you know, go us. I wonder what our kids are going to be like. I just can't even imagine the things that my children are going to be talking about on the internet. Like payback's a bitch, mum. (laughs) (laughs) Going to get you back. Um, So you had your surgery for the, and was that just the, not just, was that the surgery where they kind of like try and scrape off? Yeah. Yep. So um, I had excision surgery. So that's where they, they go in. um, So they make some cuts in your abdomen and they go in and they cut out the endometriosis. Mm. Um, So they used to use a method called ablation where they would like laser it off, like burn it off. Yeah. Um, But they've found that 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 method um, 
the endo will often grow back. So cutting it out, the excision method is is like the gold standard, but not there aren't yeah. as many surgeons who are actually able to do it and do it well. Um, so if you do have endo, um, make sure you see an excision specialist, like an endometriosis mm. specialist, because they're not, not every gynae is capable of doing this surgery. And if you're going to go in and have surgery, you want to make it fucking worth it. Yeah. Fuck so, yeah. Cause yeah. I had the laser one and yeah, mine came oh. back, but yeah, I'd never even knew about that. And when you were, so you had a strange heart what happened there? Yeah, like, my heart just went. That was completely unrelated to the operation itself. It's just the anesthetic. I don't, I'm still not quite sure what's happened. I've seen a cardiologist and stuff, but yeah, my heart just went fucking wacko for a while. Had just you been staring. under anesthetic before? Yes. Yep. So and never any issues? Hadn't, hadn't come up before. So, but it just went, I was in recovery and it just started going back. Was sitting at its normal level, you know, like 80 or something. And then it just went bang. It's just going 170, 180 out of nowhere. Um, and I was like, oh goodness, this doesn't sound very, beep, 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 this doesn't sound good. How um, did it feel like in It your felt body? like, honestly, it felt like I was going to die. Like I, I got very dizzy and, um, um, yeah, it felt like I was having a heart attack or something. I had no That's idea so what was happening. Scary. It was terrifying. And then it kept happening. Um, it kept happening over the next little while, like the next few weeks. When um, you're at home and stuff like that. Yeah, so I had to go back into hospital a couple of times, but um, it seems to have settled down. But uh, apparently, I have a like a condition that I have probably had my whole life. I just didn't something has something has triggered it that it's started to happen now. Oh so, my gosh! But it's not it's not going to kill me. So whatever, I'll just move on. Just try to ignore it and be like, <laughs> oh gosh, gosh, my heart's got the zippies again. All right. So it just like will happen, and then will it go back? Yeah, it happened like I was watching Jumanji. <laughs> it's like one day and it just like started going 180 and I was like, the rock is cute, but he's not that cute. So I don't know what's going on here. Um, but yeah. And it is so when, you know, you were saying before, one of the hardest things about that you found being a mum is the fear, fear of something happening oh, to God, you. Oh God, yeah, yeah. So that would have just accelerated that feeling. Uh, yeah. It, and it caused me I, I, for a few weeks... Well, actually, probably for the for the for the end of last year, really, for a few months, I felt quite anxious and mm. and felt like a little cloud was following me a little bit in that way. Um, but I think you know you just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other and try and live live as happily and and as best you can with whatever's going on. Yeah, how do you deal with that? Like, how do you? Um, and we were even saying earlier, you know, when you found your self worth, or like once you really. Um, just things like that. How did, what is, do you meditate? Do you journal? Do oh, you, you mean like, like with coping with ang like feelings yeah, of anxiety yeah, yeah, or something? Yeah. Um, no, I don't what are your do, strategies? I don't, I'm not really, I've tried to meditate before and fucking shit at it. Yeah. I went to yoga once. I ate a whole bag of grapes beforehand and I farted, never been back. Oh my God. Yeah. So like, I um, don't have those, you know, they're not in my repertoire, but for me, like, um, just deep breathing. Like I actually read this book. It's for children. It's called Hey Warrior. And it's a book about anxiety. And it talks about how, um, like this little part of your brain, the amygdala kind of accidentally triggers feelings of anxiety. Like it, but it's there, its job is to protect you. So when you're oh, feeling anxious, that. it's like your brain is just trying to help you. Yeah. But you can like do physical things and, 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 you know, mental work to try and calm that part, to say to that part of your brain, like, so cool, girlfriend. Like I got this sorted. Don't, you don't need to go crazy. You don't need to sweat. You don't need to have a racing heart. It's all fine. So um, reading that book, which I bought for my child, <laughs> it was actually very helpful for me. So I just try to like do the like the deep deep breathing inside, just like calm, just calm myself down and get fresh air and 
just bloody jog on. Nothing to <laughs> intense. Yeah, nothing to intense. <laughs> just take a few deep breaths and then just like plod on with life. Yeah, and then have maybe two litres of Pinot Noir in the evening. Ah, yeah, <laughs> I'm just there joking. We go. <laughs> That's not a solution. That's not a solution. But it does help sometimes. Oh, it doesn't hurt, yes. Oh, my gosh. My wine every afternoon. Not every afternoon, but most afternoons. <laughs> I was like, even my grandparents used to have a wine with dinner every night. Oh, they can have a shandy. Like, why shouldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> Turn up at my grandfather's house and I'm like, straight away, just pour us both a wine. I'm like, come on, let's relax. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> so your grandpa is, is your grandpa alive? Yeah. That is awesome. Well, yes, he's my, yeah, the one I see, we see him many times a week. He lives oh, down the road. I he's, love that. I call him my wawa. He's so, oh. he's so cute. And because my nana passed away last year and they were like the notebook. Oh, so cute that's so she gorgeous. Had, um, that's... And, uh, Alzheimer's and he still is just like so cute, like talks to her picture every day. Oh, he's and still just, in love. How beautiful. Oh, my God. So cute. And Maddie's just obsessed with him. Oh, how gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. So he's just, yeah, he's adorable. And him and Chris are basically the same person. He has no idea. Like he loves me, but he does not know me really properly at all because he's a good he's... Presbyterian man. <laughs> oh, bless him. The other day I was like, wow, so for Marley's first birthday party, we're oh, having God. a Mardi Gras theme party. A what? A what? <laughs> yeah. Speaking to my good ear, darling, what'd you say? Like, does that mean I have to dress up as one of them lady boys? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, it does, yeah, Papa. Like, here's, a, here's a sequin outfit I prepared for you. <laughs> yeah, he's always just like, I'm like, oh yeah, podcast, blah, 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 this, blah, blah, blah. And he's always just like, looks me really blankly. Kind of like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's probably for the best. Oh, it is absolutely <laughs> for the best. Maybe like when he passes away one day, he'll sort of like float around and like actually see who I am and how much, how rude I am. And he'll just be like, oh my God, I'm so glad I never saw that. Too happen. late now, Grandpa. <laughs> Do you ever feel like that about, I mean, we spoke about your family, but worried about, I know for me, like, cause I did grow up in quite a like Christian home and everything. And some of my family just probably are so horrified by the things that I say and the things that I do. Do you have any family members or anything like that where you're like, I'm sorry, but this is who I am. I'm not really sure. I think my, um, my grandma, she's, she passed away like quite a while ago. Is that the, the one that I was talking about, we were really close. I adored her. Yeah. Um, but she was a real, like a, a lady, you know, yes. she was very classy and, um, proper, um, very wholesome person. So I think she would probably honestly be fucking horrified at the <laughs> shit that I'm doing. Um, but I also think that I wouldn't stop anyway. Yeah, and I yeah. think that the, there would be enough of me that she loves, like she'd love the kind parts and the, the, you know, the caring parts. There's enough that she would love that. And you can't live your life based on what other people think, or you'd never do fucking anything. Cause yeah. no matter what you do, some fucking cunt's going to judge you, aren't they? Really? Yeah, like someone's going to have, someone's going to think you're a noodle, no matter what you do. So you just got to do what you think is right. Yes. Or funny. Yes. (laughs) Just fucking have a laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy it. And like, I also try to remember that myself because like I'm a human, so I sometimes judge other people too, but I'm always like, Shannon, don't be a mole. Like they're trying their best. You're trying your best. Just leave, just let it be. Get over it. Yeah. Sort of thing. I've definitely learned to be far less judgmental, especially since becoming a mum because Oh my God. Like, you know, hypothetical mum ass was going. Oh my God. I was such a good parent before I became one. I was really good. Same. I remember I was a barista at the time and I remember talking to, like, they would see my belly, like customers. And I'm like, 
my kids, I just really want them to like actually play outside and not just be stuck to their iPads all the time. Like my kids aren't watching shows or having technology or like, I just want to, you know, really, I've been reading this book on gentle parenting and like. Just a straight up cunt. And, and some like, mums would have overheard you and just would have been like, fucking good luck, motherfucker. Oh, <laughs> yeah. They would have been, they would be doing what I do now where I just smile and oh, I'm like, good for you, honey. Yeah, yes. Good luck. Cannot wait to see your kid on a fucking iPad in a cafe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to buy them one for Christmas. <laughs> Um, well, I think we should probably wrap up because I don't know about you, but I haven't been looking at the time, but you do have to get to. Heavens to Betsy, yeah. We. <laughs> i got to get home. got to get home to my children. <laughs> got to fly home. Yeah, how does it go being away from them? Oh, I miss them a lot. Yeah. I miss them a lot. But, um, you know, I've got to do this shit. Yeah. You know? So I came, yeah, obviously came up to Brisbane for, I came up to Brisbane to support a friend because yeah. her brother passed away. So I need to do things for me and I need to do things for my friends so the kids kind of get that. Yeah. But they miss me. Because I am a goddess. As they should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As they should. But I'm so looking forward to getting home to them. Every night you're on the phone with them like, how much do you miss, mummy? Tell me. Yep. Tell on me. a scale of one to 100, I'm listening. <laughs> yeah. Better be good, otherwise mummy's not coming home. <laughs> I won't bring you home a puzzle. <laughs> well, because they're a bit older now too, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're four and seven. Oh, yeah. Oh. They're big boys. Such big boys. Yep. No, Marley had his first day at day KSA and I was like, was it different like with the second child compared to first kid as far as like... Being away from them. Oh, worlds apart. Isn't oh, my <laughs> God, worlds apart. My first kid didn't do daycare ever. Like, yep. um, hardly got babysat. Like, we don't have any family near us, so that's oh, that part of the hard. problem. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, then he started kinder and that's like he's never he's never experienced daycare or anything like that. And then my second child, bye-bye. Uh, <laughs> he, he started daycare when he was three. Like, bit, straight a bit, out of the Three end. and a bit. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. So, but I... He, I treat him so differently to my first. He's allowed so much more to live a much looser life <laughs> than oh my, my first child did. Yeah, that was all of my. I'm the eldest, so I. You're I, the trailblazer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the guinea pig that wasn't allowed to do anything. Yeah, you're warming up your parents. Yeah. Yeah, and then like the next by ones. fourth kid, you know, they're drinking Living wine the with mum at like 16 years old. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I got a cruiser to share, like when I was like 18. <laughs> <laughs> bloody Unfair. younger Cruelty kids. To kids yeah i was this I was, i'm one of two i'm the youngest, youngest. so i was the baby oh. who got who got the good times <laughs> yeah, well, the stollies bought for me when i was 15 oh my god i would never um <laughs> <laughs> yeah because i noticed that with marley i dropped him off at daycare yesterday and i was like there were so many tears the first time like from me mostly yep. and then also from maddie whereas marley was like Toodaloo, mama. I got there and he smiled when he saw me, but then he bolted. <laughs> and I was like, okay. That's rude. That's so heartbreaking <laughs> for me. <laughs> but it's good that he's enjoying it. Yeah. It helps that he's got his sister there. But Oh, that would. That would make it so much easier. Yeah. Family daycare is so good. Anyway, we were supposed to be wrapping up, but oh, we yeah. just started a new conversation. Oh, yeah. um, thank you so much for coming oh, on and for, for me. coming into the studio and we've have finally got to actually meet we did in it. person. I can't but wait to do some over the bra gentle petting. Oh yes, well we there's the mics no off. Oh goodness gracious <laughs> me! Yeah, no. You just have to. <laughs> I just have to lift my arm up so you can find my boob. <laughs> um, <laughs> but just so, in case for some whatever reason people don't know who you are, how which 
Shame on you. (laughs) (laughs) How can people find you? How can they get your books? Cool. Yeah, probably just find me on my website, shannonkellywhite.com. And then, you know, you can find all my Insta from there. With at, at Shannon's Kitchen Australia, isn't it? Yeah, that's my Instagram. Sure is, babes. Just yep. nice and short and... Friggin' Shannon's Kitchen was already taken by some fucker. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> she hasn't posted in years. I'm like, give it to me. I need it more than you. <laughs> that's so... I fucking hate that. Savage, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And people can buy all of your books on your website. Yep, they sure can. And I absolutely recommend you doing that. Aww. Well, thank you so much for coming in. Thank it's you. It's been amazing. And I'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Please Ask Mickey is a Hit Network original podcast produced at Hit 105 Studios in Brisbane. Created, hosted and produced by Michaela Burnett. Check out pleaseaskmickey.com. Editorial support from Julia Foskey, executive producers Scott McDonald and Matthew Eggleston. For more great audio stories, check out hit.com.au.